Alicia Gallon! The other day I went up to my girlfriend, I said, you know, I'd like a little pussy. She said, me too! Mine's as big as a house! Yeah. You see, she she wanted a little one because hers was Look at the house. Get that stinking shit out of my face. Bunch of slap jawed around here. This stuff will make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus. Just like me. Yeah, scrap this on your sore ass plane. <laughs> Welcome to Predator Minute, the podcast that breaks down the 1987 action sci-fi classic, Predator, one minute at a time. I'm your host, John, and with us today we have a returning guest, uh, Jeff. Hello! And without us today, we are a man down, uh, brother, yeah, bummer, brother Aaron is uh, out on doctoring duty and Zimbabwe. Well, he's been uh, there a while, but he's stick around there and keep going. Bummer. We duties. miss you, Aaron. Yeah, I miss you, Aaron. He'll be back uh, for minute 10. Excellent. And speaking of minutes, we are in minute 9 of Predator. Minute 9 begins with the view screen of the trailing chopper looking at the lead chopper through the night vision view. And minute 9 ends with Dutch looking away from his paperwork. So it doesn't sound like an exciting beginning or end, but this minute is packed full of character development, uh, character interactions, and, and just overall learning about who this team is, who is in Dutch's squad. Jeff, you being the guest, what would yeah. you like to start off with? Well, we got some famous some famous lines in this minute, right? Yeah, famous. Yeah, like some of the most iconic uh, Jesse Ventura stuff. Yeah, and uh, and we kind of round out. So this this is sort of the second minute in this scene that takes place in the helicopter, where we're kind of panning around and learning about all the characters. And uh, so we get kind of a shot of each character doing some different stuff. And uh, we start off with what Billy putting uh, camouflage on his face using mm-hmm. the mirror. He's kind of, he kind of goes with like the football player style camouflage right like right under the eyes <laughs> yeah he, he's he's totally going for yeah like the <laughs> the beat the sun glare <laughs> look and that's about yeah, it it's hot out in that jungle you got to get the the eye black under there yeah looking at hawkins it looks like he did the same thing so maybe billy is copying him or he's i don't know maybe that's traditionally what you know they both wear as their camouflage yeah, you mentioned something about the mirror that I thought, like, does he need a mirror? Has he never done this before? <laughs> right. Has, <laughs> yeah. he not, has he not done this enough times without right. looking? Or I don't know. It's, it's a good point about... <laughs> maybe maybe he's like uh, one of those face painters at the fair. He likes to do a different design every time. Ah. <laughs> so he needs, he needs the mirror with him. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> last time he went with like the, the Arnold book and I was going for... Like you said, the football player look. I like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He mixes it up. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we mentioned that before talking about the different face paints, and um, I think Aaron was making the point last time too of, of just how independent and how varied the squad is. How it's just reminding us again and again, it's not 
an official military squad. This is just a ragtag team of commandos who are coming together with their different styles, their different, you know, tactics, their different preferences, all the way down to how they put on their camouflage. Because in the same minute, we see Blaine hand around the tobacco to Poncho and then Billy, both of them refusing, and Poncho is right, showing that kind of diagonal stripes like Arnold has. Yeah, um, yeah, and they all refuse. Yeah, they all refuse in their different ways. Mac just kind of like doesn't do anything in the previous minute. Um, <laughs> yeah, he Pon- just kind of leans away. <laughs> yeah, Pon- Poncho just, Poncho has something snappy to say, something snappy to tell him, and uh, Billy just kind of gives him the, the cold shoulder. So you got some uh you got some background on Billy. Did you talk about him yet on previous minutes? No, um the these are the last two characters I haven't talked about. I've talked okay. about all the other characters, some probably a little more deeper than others, but um these are more Xenopedia entries. Yeah. About our characters. Do we do we do that now or do we talk about uh Hawkins dirty joke? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean we can we can talk about yeah, let's talk about the the dirty joke first. You want to go for it? What is he? What is he? What is he trying to tell Billy? First off, before you tell the joke, I love I love how um, naturalistic this comes off uh, with um, Hawkins trying to grab Billy's attention, where he's like, "Billy, Billy," like yeah. just kind of like yelling. I love it because it's like it's the first indication to me that like oh, like this music that is going on is like actually playing in the background. Right. Like they have to yell over that and the chopper yeah, sound. Yeah, they're actually playing it. It's not just on the soundtrack of the movie. Right. Yeah. No, nobody else adjusts for that, but <laughs> Shane right. Black, Shane Black does, yeah. yeah no, it's, it's I, a, I read that oh, he it ad-libbed those jokes. Yeah, he ad-libbed those jokes because when you look in the um, you look in the script and the scripts, the scripts and jokes are, I would say, a lot They're more like, I don't know, kind of like playground jokes, like just kind of innocuous and these are much more right like, right going right right for the juvenile yeah well they're all vagina jokes yeah, yeah. they <laughs> like, are i do like i do appreciate how they how he keeps on going back to those jokes and he finally gets billy to laugh later which i'm sure you'll talk about later but yeah i think that's a funny little little kind of through line in the movie that he ad-libs these jokes and finally gets a laugh out of him later on yeah and I would say another through line um, right, is he has to call his name twice for his attention. We see Dutch oh, yeah. do the same thing later on where he's like, it's a lot of different circumstance. And Billy's looking up in the trees later on, you know, feeling that feeling of being watched. And Dutch has to say his name a couple of times and he grabs Billy's Billy. And yeah. Grabs yeah. him, makes him look at him, make him, makes him look at Dutch. Um, so it's this kind of this um, idea, I guess, of, of Billy not being with the group mentally, like in in the present, he's very much like trying to reach out or something like that with his feelings, with the force, I guess you could say. Right, right. <laughs> and I, I do love how he tries to explain the joke, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like he kind of says it twice, Yeah, you know, like I kind of feel like he reminds me of that guy that we all were friends with in college, you know, that yep. always was trying to like oh i got i got, I got the next joke for you you know <laughs> and, <laughs> and everyone just it. right and then he has to explain it at the end and that's <laughs> uh, good stuff so did you uh, i listened to a little director's commentary over this Ooh. minute yeah awesome and so uh and the direct and so uh McTiernan talks about how he wanted shane black for this part even though it's a very small part uh and shane black wasn't really an actor right 
Right. He's more of a screenwriter. Yeah. Uh, but he just wanted to have a writer on the set for mm-hmm. these types of situations so he could, you know, ad lib these jokes or just give notes on the script and, and help with the writing aspect and ended up putting him just in this bit part. John McTiernan says in the commentary that he just loves his work uh, and he loved that he said, quote, he has a, a smart ass quality about him that uh, he really liked having on set. So I thought that was pretty interesting that he just decided to. Because Shane Black, was he. Real famous at this point. I know he was, you know, this is right around when he was writing Lethal Weapon. I, this I don't is know. Right after uh, Lethal Weapon. Yeah, by the time they're filming for this, they're filming this in 1986. Yeah. And release Thunder in 1987, um, while Shane Black wrote the screenplay for Lethal Weapon in 1985. And by the uh. time. Um, Predator is in development and then being released. Lethal Weapon or Shane Black already is having that reputation for being this action screenwriter. Okay, so, so he was he was fairly well known in the in the business, but he probably yeah. didn't have a have many acting credits to his no, name. No, not a lot of acting credits, but he had the big connection with uh, Joel Silver, who produced yeah. the Lethal Weapon series, um, and Joel Silver produced Predator as well. So it was again another. Uh, connection. Mm. So another uh, little Shane Black uh, tidbit is that apparently he did not like the glasses that uh, they they put him in. The, but I guess John McTiernan wanted him to look as as nerdy as possible, and right. so they found the nerdiest possible glasses to give him. But he really wanted to wear like the more like traditional army issue glasses. But they made him wear those nerd glasses, and he was upset about it. Apparently, yeah. Uh, but and I guess I, John won. John McTiernan won out because obviously that's what he ended up wearing. Right, and um, I think Aaron mentioned this before, but one of the things I think Shane Black wanted to make his character stand out because, like you're saying, every character has something that makes him stand out. He wanted to be wearing like a large red beret, and that just would not really. <laughs> That goes. That's starting to go into like GI Joe territory. Like when every you know you'd have like yeah. Flint with his huge beret in the field. Like oh, that wouldn't fly right. And you have Sergeant Slaughter who's like wearing <laughs> aviators and <laughs> yeah. Does he want to look like M Bison from Street Fighter? Like? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. I had no idea. Yeah, but you mentioned him talking to Billy. Billy not understanding the joke or just either not understanding or wanting to give no reaction or just not finding the joke funny. Um, yeah. Do you think that his non-reaction was that he didn't think it was funny or that he didn't understand the joke? I, I watched that minute several times and I couldn't quite pinpoint yeah, I just his think reaction. I just think it's Billy being Billy. I think Billy is... <laughs> yeah. Billy being Billy. Be, Billy being Billy. He's kind of like the, the Manny Ramirez of this. He's just kind of doing his own thing. <laughs> right. Just, just like if, 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 if someone's going to be kind of the outcast, I would say, uh, Billy, you know, I, t- I talked about Mac in a previous minute be about being, you know, maybe psychologically isolated, but like Mac is still connected to blame and they have yeah. that, that history together. But yeah, Billy, I don't know. Billy doesn't come across as having uh, a lot of connections, just kind of doing his own thing. So I think it's just Billy being Billy, like I ain't going to laugh at that. Or maybe right. Billy is so in the zone, you know, looking in the mirror, looking into, you know, his own soul or something like that. Right. He didn't, he doesn't even pick it up. He's like, right. you're just, you're just noise in my background. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. for some reason he laughs later on. And I think 
I mean, I don't know when we'll talk about the laughing here in a minute, but when uh, Blaine and Poncho have their exchange here on the chopper, I think that's Billy laughing. It's it's, it's hard to tell. I don't know if that's supposed to be Billy or Jesse. I kind of oh, think yeah. they're having a very similar laugh. I know what you're talking about. I I thought that was Jesse myself, but okay. uh, now that I think about it, I don't know for sure. It's just, yeah. such, a, it's just such a hearty, manly laugh. I feel, it could be a lot of those <laughs> <Right>. guys. <laughs> Um, so, uh, so what's your Xenopedia tell us about Billy? Yeah, Xenopedia tells us that Billy's last name is Soul, so Billy's Soul. I Ooh, think they're nice. <laughs> trying to hit it on the head. They're not trying to be <laughs> right. dancing around any meanings. Very, very subtle. <laughs> very subtle. Uh, but they um, define him as an expert tracker, half Sioux, half Italian descent. Ooh, half and, Sioux, half Italian. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, the quote from Xenopedia is, When he was an infant, his people would tell stories of how a predator had once hunted their forefathers, although Billy was too young to remember these tales when he grew up. So they're going oh. so deep into Xenopedia as to connect Billy with these older tales about the predator, which we don't see any of that with the team, but we definitely see that with Anna later on when they take her from the um, gorilla camp. Right. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. That kind of explains sort of his sixth sense right later mm-hmm. on in the film when he's the first one to really say that there's something out there and it's not human and we're all gonna die <laughs> yeah exactly yeah exactly um xenopedia also goes on to say he formed a friendship with poncho once he joined dutch's team in 1980 i i would argue you see that one time in the movie and it's the very line you just said where poncho mm. says you know you're not you ain't afraid of no man and he says it ain't no man Right. Um, so they have that backstory, I guess, of um, Poncho knowing just how you know tough Billy is. Um, but uh, Xenopedia just Xenopedia describes Billy as unstable, stoic, cold, aloof, brave, fearless. So he's almost like this lone warrior. And um, something interesting that Aaron was saying, I think it was Aaron. Was it Aaron or you? I think it was Aaron saying that at one point, like early on in the development of the script. Billy was meant to be the one-on-one versus the peddler. Like all oh, the other wow. team um, was killed off. So even though Dutch is, you know, the official leader of the team, um, Billy becomes the oh God, the sole survivor of <laughs> of the team and taking. I get on it. Press, I see yeah, what you did there. Yeah, <laughs> the Billy's sole survivor. Billy's sole survivor. Oh, no. dude, that could be if he was the the guy that that would be the title of the movie right there. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and to take it a step further to connect them to the Predator, which again would maybe explain that kind of, um, crazy, uh, what's that movie? Uh, uh dream catcher kind of connection. Oh, yeah. yeah. It says in the novelization, his powers go even further and he is said to be actively psychic, able to access the memories of his ancestors, of his ancestors and the ancient Mayans who used to live in the jungle and can actively sense the Predator's presence. So quite interesting there. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, like the Mayan connection because uh, weren't the Mayans on the Yucatan and that's where they end up filming the second half of the, and I know they end up yeah. filming the second half of the movie there, but I, I don't remember if it's the Mayans or the Aztecs who are located in that area, but maybe they're just really stretching. Aren't you a humanities teacher? Don't you need to know these things? Oh, man. <laughs> I really should. We'll fix that in post. I'll come voice yeah. over that. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I think the Mayans were on the Yucatan Peninsula. I think that's mm. right. Yeah. And um, I, I'll give the last Xenopedia team member entry. It did not have a lot to say about Mac Elliott. Uh, Mac, I, yeah. I think they spend a lot of their entry time 
with Mac really in explaining Blaine's character, who's the close friend of Mac. Mm. Um, so Mac fought with Blaine since Vietnam in the 101st Airborne Division. We talked about that last minute. But in the novelization, Mac is actually white, and both he and Blaine are quite racist towards Dylan and the Hispanic locals. So I think that oh. with yeah, that would that would that would start painting the movie in a, a much more yeah yeah darker <laughs> light and just yeah make it all sorts more uncomfortable versus having kind of the one line in this movie I feel where it feels uncomfortable in this minute versus like a general attitude. I think yeah. it plays a lot better have it with McTierney making the choices he did for this movie. Yeah. So we got we got Shane Black doing his joke. So then we so then we should move on probably to Blaine with his tobacco, huh? Yeah, back to Blaine and the tobacco. Just yeah. trying to put stuff in his just, and just trying to pawn it off to everybody, trying to get everyone hooked on that stuff. Not cool, Blaine. Not cool. Not cool, Blaine. <laughs> yeah, he, he, that's bad for you. It goes to Poncho and Poncho just he gives this grin and just you know just just totally with the all all humor you know intact says get that stinking shit out of my face <laughs> yeah and just uh. just yeah <laughs> aggressive but like also like and as it says in the script you know they've done this a million times they right. are very comfortable with each other in fact Poncho and uh, Ventura Poncho and Blaine were the, um, played by uh, Chavez and Ventura, and they're the two Vietnam vets on the set. So um, uh, one of the things that Ventura talks a lot about is how well he and Chavez clicked right away and just throughout the movie and having their feedback here and then later on with Ain't Got Time to Bleed with that exchange. Yeah, and I love how Blaine just you know just turns away and really shows no reaction other than, oh, okay, he doesn't want any, like, he's experiencing this this a hundred times. You know? Oh uh, yeah. Like, Blaine yeah. has the most neutral look on his face when he's right. doing this. He just, just kind of like a, huh? Like, oh, okay. Almost like a, like a puppy looking for pets or something like that. Just like, <laughs> right. right. And then, then he turns aggressive. And, but again, it's, it's with the same, <laughs> it's with the same humor that Chavez had him turn him down. Right. Right. So he offers everyone, everyone turns it down. And then we have the, the famous line with the uh, homophobic slur. Right. Nobody quotes the first part, but everybody quotes the second part. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think that that part's kind of interesting. So I, when you asked me to uh, come on this podcast with you, I I was super excited. Obviously, right. I, I love the Predator. Um, I've seen it like a gazillion times. But when you did invite me on, I realized I really hadn't watched the Predator in probably over like. 10 years. Right. And uh, most of the times that I did watch it, you know, back in my youth, it was like on cable TV, you know, uh, on, you know, maybe HBO. Um, And so I went back and watched it again and I had totally forgotten about that line or maybe when I had seen it on TV, it had been edited out. Mm -hmm. And uh, it made me, uh, it made me think of all the other like eighties movies that we watched as kids where when you go back and watch them later in life, you realize there's a bunch of inappropriate stuff in them. Oh, yeah. You know, like even these like PG or PG-13 movies have like homophobic slurs in them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they do they do not age well, you know? Right. I, yeah. I, I was sitting here. I, I, was make, I made a list uh, just in my head, like real quick of all the different movies that I this, – this has happened to me too. Uh, Adventures in Babysitting. Is rated PG thirteen mm-hmm. and like has like homophobic slurs in it. Teen Wolf does. Hmm. 
Uh, Weird Science Breakfast Club. Sixteen can sixteen candles has. Oh yeah, that's well. <laughs> <laughs> that eats out reasons. quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Monster Squad, which is like a PG thirteen horror movie. Well, written uh, by Shane Black and oh, Decker. There, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but they all feature like homophobic slurs. It's like, and you realize how prevalent that was in the eighties, uh, how horribly it has aged now. It's unfortunate. Like these are movies that I loved as a kid, but I would have to think twice about showing my own kids for that reason, you know? Yeah. No, I I remember. Yeah. I was an eighties kid too. And I remember like joking around with my friends like that. And I remember a, a specific time like a specific moment in time when um i think i was joking with a friend and like like the parent of the friend or the mom of the friend said you know, like like what you know what that means like do you know what you like when you say that what that means and like right. it just turn on the light bulb like oh right it's not <laughs> that's not cool to say like I, I really shouldn't be saying it and so i stopped at that point but yeah i remember totally joking with my friends like that and stuff being gay and stuff like that and, oh yeah yeah well, that was and that was all over these movies it was just a uh um it was just an accepted almost just a joke line right mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't taken very seriously so in the context of that time period especially cuz these are military guys and whatnot and see them throwing around that word but yeah uh looking at it after the fact it's unfortunate cuz the second half of that line is so iconic oh yeah you know like he says this stuff will make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus <laughs> <laughs> like it's so it's so out of the blue and like so nonsensical right it's just fantastic i love it so much <laughs> like what does that mean nobody knows <laughs> nobody knows Nobody knows. Except Jesse. <laughs> I'm curious. I, I when I listened to the um director's commentary, he didn't mention anything about it. I was do you know, was it you've you've looked at the script uh script a bunch. I have not. Um was it in the original script or was that an ad libbed line? Do you know? Um I have to I have to say that when I've been reading the script for every minute we've been doing, it's it's very clear that like they're taking they're writing and editing the script as they were filming. Like as mm. put together the script was in the beginning. There, I guess I, I have no idea what it originally looked like. I would love to see like a first draft. What we're looking at usually is like a fourth or fifth draft. And by this time, like you know, they've seen dailies and they're like plugging things back in. Where you haven't even like the stick around line is written in there. When it's like mm. uh, from what I know, like a lot of these things are like improv or John McTiernan saying, "Yeah, yeah, we're gonna go with that." And so there's, it's really hard to tell. It's like reading a, I don't know, like a something that's like just like some living document where people right. are adding on all the time. So, yeah, the, the line itself is in the script. As oh, interesting, it is. Yeah, it isn't. It is in the script, but I don't. Again, I don't know if it's the original or if it's something that just came up with and they said that's so good. Let's just stick it in there, like claim it as our own. Right. But the line reading is, it's, it's weird because when he says it in the film, he says. This stuff will make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus, just like me. <laughs> and he has that great, like, Popeye look with the big right, smile. Yeah, totally, yeah. And then Poncho instantly says, yeah, strap this on your sore ass, Blaine. And forever and ever, I was like, where did he come up with that line about sore ass? 
that comes from the script where it's enunciated out. It says Tyrannosaurus. Oh. But in the script, there's no retort from Poncho. So it doesn't make oh, sense. Interesting. He says the sore ass, and then it's as if we are supposed to be hearing the sore ass comment or pronunciation in the movie. We don't at all, but we hear him say it as if mm. he's saying sore ass. Because what he says in the movie is plain old whatever Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I have to tell you, I I I googled sexual Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> I was very nervous. I waited till I was home. I was not at work when I did it. I didn't know what I was going to find. <laughs> I didn't know if I was going to go down some sort of like, you know, neckbeard rabbit hole of, you know, <laughs> strange tentacle porn or something. I don't know. Right, right. Uh, but uh, uh, surprisingly, well, maybe not so surprisingly, but uh, I was pleasantly surprised that uh, what came back was mostly like t-shirts and mugs. And there is all sorts of stuff out there with Jesse Ventura's face on it that yes. just says sexual Tyrannosaurus. Yep. Um, but I learned a couple of things that I thought were kind of interesting. So here sure. is, here's your sexual Tyrannosaurus informational minute. Um, <laughs> uh, in the video game Borderlands, are you familiar with Borderlands? I, am. I love the Borderlands video game. Okay, so I have not played Borderlands, but I know it's beloved in the gaming community. Mm -hmm. So apparently there is um, a tier 5 skill in the character Salvador's brawn skill tree that's called uh, Sexual Tyrannosaurus. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And in the same skill tree, tier 3 is called Ain't Got Time to Bleed. Oh my god! And, and so, how, how do I not remember this from? Yeah, I started digging into this, and like all these different uh, tiers and skill levels are named after like action movies. So I wrote down a couple others that I really liked. There was one uh, one tier or skill level that was called uh, Out of Bubblegum. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm right. With, uh, they they live. live. Yeah. yeah. I love They Live. Yeah. Rowdy Roddy Piper. There's another one called The Bus That Can't Slow Down. Set a oh speed speed right yeah and there's another one that's I'm your Huck, I'm your Huckleberry uh, tombstone just a little tombstone yeah and but there's there were a ton of others so whoever is doing all the writing for Borderlands is a big movie fan in particular oh, that's like an awesome. action movie fan yeah another tidbit I found out that there is a brewery in uh, Elk Grove California called Flatland Brewing. And they make an imperial stout that's called Sexual Tyrannosaurus. (laughs) (laughs) And I learned that Elk Grove is uh, right outside of Sacramento, which is pretty close to where my sister lives. So I'm going to have to have her pick me up some Sexual Tyrannosaurus. Oh, my God. uh, Imperial stout. We could be drinking that and talking predator. That's what I'm saying. We got to get some. And yeah, it'll be like Inception. <laughs> Sexual tyrannosaurusception. Exception, right? There you go. <laughs> All right, um, and that ends your sexual tyrannosaurus informational minute. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, we just found the name for the minute. I love it. <laughs> um, on minute, I think it's minutes. Yeah, it's minute five. I think I put the clip from the actual movie, the audio over there. 
It's just saying like, Dylan, you son of a bitch. And they're starting to handshake. <laughs> I took the actual audio from the movie. So that's going to have to go in here. Ooh, the nice. second, second half of the quote though. I'm not going to, or I could just bleep it out. I've learned how to do the bleep function on audacity. Ooh, yeah. There you go. It's not, not that hard to do this insert a tone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, don't worry. Cause even if you say that word, you can still get elected governor of Minnesota. So. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> You'll be all right. It's, yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause like knowing and hearing from the real life Jesse Ventura, it's like, it doesn't seem like anything he would actually say nowadays. Not just because he's a public figure, but just because. Yeah. I would, know, I would knowing think his so. beliefs and his values. He's, he seems like someone very, yeah, very much on like the, the every person's side, the every man's side. Right. I would like to think that. I mean, especially in the 80s, like you probably wouldn't think twice about seeing that word in the script and he probably just did it because that was his job, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Um, but right as Poncho tells him that, we go to the exterior of the chopper and you hear this just guttural echoing laugh. This <laughs> and again, we don't know if that's Billy. We don't know if that's Blaine. You think it's Blaine. I thought it was for Blaine. Yeah. For some reason, I think it's Billy. I don't mm. know. I'll just have to compare those side by side again when he's laughing <laughs> here and when he's laughing later. The problem when he's laughing later is that you don't catch a good portion of his laugh like un, a, I don't know, what do, what do I want to say, unaltered because as soon as he starts laughing at Poncho, or not Poncho, as soon as he starts laughing at Hawkins joke later, after they've like raised the gorilla village to the ground, um, it zooms out to the predator vision. You catch everything or you catch the rest of his laugh, like oh, in yeah. the predator speakers. And it's just all like distorted. It's up. all distorted. So you don't really know. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. But zoom it, as, as it, as you hear that laugh echoing, you also, Maybe have that backwards. Yeah, you go to the exterior of the chopper as you hear the second part of the laugh. For the first part of the laugh reaction, you're seeing Mac shaving and just still looking really stoic. Yeah, um, weird, weird choice with the shaving. I still don't quite get. It. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I think it's a weird thing with the the focus, or maybe it's just meant to again, just like Billy, show us how focused they are, where they're not going to be rattled by the the banter. So if that's the case, then I have to go with what you're saying. It has to be Blaine laughing, not Billy. If he's not yeah. laughing at Shane Black's hilarious jokes, then <laughs> he's probably not laughing at this. Yeah. And Max just back there, just running the razor. I mean, it looks like he's pretty well clean shaven and he's just yeah. sort of like continues to run it over his neck, you know? Uh, I don't know. I, f I was very worried for Mac. I was, you know, what if there's a little turbulence? <laughs> what if the pilot takes a hard left? Like, right. he's he's right there on his neck. Like, <laughs> you're you're good, man. You're smooth. Put down the razor. I like to think that he doesn't even have blades in there. It's just practice for how good, you know, just, just, just the motion might be coming down. Kind of like when you're, you know, like, yeah. I don't know, rocking back and forth. Um, it's just part of his, uh, instead of putting on makeup, he's just uh, running the razor. Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of the airplane scene from Airplane where the woman shouldn't have put on the makeup in the bathroom with all the turbulence. She comes yes. out just covered in makeup. <laughs> that would be a great alternative take with Mac with uh, some lipstick. Right. <laughs> it's getting all over his face. <laughs> That's awesome. Let's go down. Could could you steady it up? <laughs> trying to put my face on. Trying to put my face on. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, yeah, and so that brings us uh, kind of to the end of that minute, right? 
Yeah, not not a lot else other than right. We just what happened into the the team, how they interact with one another, how they show a, a camaraderie with each other, and just give each other a good old hard time. Just yeah, you can offer that to me. You're not going to take it. No, I'm not going to take it. I'm going to throw a joke at you. You're going to laugh. Um, yeah, but we're, we're we're buddies. We've been doing this for a while, and we're just so casual, chewing. And, Shaving on the chopper, <laughs> putting our putting using our a lipstick. Do <laughs> yeah, oh, that should have been at the camouflage. It's just everywhere. Uh, do it. That fits in with the red and green motif, right? <laughs> right, right. Do we right. even see Arnold in this minute? We see him at the very end. All he's doing is he's, very he's, end. What is he doing? He's um. It goes from Mac shaving exterior of the chopper while they finish up the laugh. And the last few seconds are Arnold, I think, closing a map or something like that and looking yeah. away. And then the next minute is where they're starting to wrap things up, starting to wrap up their little chopper ride. Right. Um, Man, Ar- Arnold, this, this is a little aside, but yeah. after watching this movie again a couple times, like Arnold is seriously in his prime yeah. in this movie, right? Like he is... I don't know. Just the just the his physique and his attitude, his acting, like I just feel like he's just right in his wheelhouse. Like I don't know if this is the peak of his action movie career, but man, it's it's close. He's yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I have enjoyed Arnold in another movie as much as I enjoy him in this movie. I don't know. I, I, I and agree, I like yeah. him as an actor. Like I like him in a lot of movies, but mm-hmm. he's pretty great in this. Yeah, people love citing like the Terminator movies, but I mean he's playing a robot and there's like there's something to be said for not playing a robot, you know, not like doing the thing you were just typecast as, you know, in right. the original the Terminator and, and here he's like he's so driven and he's so like mission specific and he's like you said, he has an attitude and he has like this this and grim determination about him that you don't really see in other movies where he breaks character quite a few times in other movies or in Terminator, he just plays the robot and even then he breaks character right. sometimes. And yeah, yeah, and he's uh yeah, that's exactly right. And he's he doesn't have a lot of dialogue, you know. Yeah. And you actually kind of see that he's a pretty good actor in this movie. Yeah. You know? I read too that he he lost a little weight to be <laughs> Like he lost like twenty five pounds to look more like kind of slim, like a like an army ranger or whatnot, or a special forces guy might look. Right. Um, and I th- I actually think that that kind of adds to his affect. Like his face does seem a little bit thinner in this movie than some of his other movies. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like I'm I'm a straight man, but. Arnold's looking good in this movie. <laughs> my my wife says that he looks like a troll, so she doesn't oh, no. she doesn't see what the appeal is, and that, that's all good. But he oh, actually, if you watch this movie, me and your wife movie, are going to have some words, <laughs> <laughs> some words. <laughs> but if you watch this movie, at least from the behind behind the scenes talk too, he even claims to have lost weight during the filming. So in the beginning scenes. Uh, he has a little more meat on his bone than in the later mm. scenes, and I think that just that plays perfectly for this movie because makes sense, yeah. Right, he's going from like the more secure team to like surviving on his own, um, and if you're surviving on your own, right, you're not, you know, you don't have that that backup, you don't have like supplies, you don't have you know any kind of uh, right food supplies to right. <laughs> to keep you fed, and 
he avoided like like he said in the behind the scenes he avoided um food after a while due to people on the set becoming sick from the food mm. and even the water trying to avoid a lot of like water maybe intake. he became maybe he lost the weight from dysentery <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean he is in central america right <laughs> yeah yeah like montezuma's revenge is yeah that'll, that'll take away the calories real quick <laughs> yeah <laughs> cut down even the even the director john McTiernan said he lost a bunch of weight during the filming just due to air aid like not having control over the food and the water. Um, oh, wow. Either avoid it or risk becoming super sick. Like, that's one of the, the running jokes among the cast when you're reading about it later on is that, like, Billy would finish a scene, like, looking all grim and serious in the jungle, and then, like, they'd cut, and he'd run to the bushes and just, <laughs> <laughs> just drop a load as fast as you can. Just <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome to, to visualize. The, the production stories on this film are pretty interesting. Yeah, it's, it's stuff you won't... It's stuff I guarantee you wouldn't have nowadays, just with things being so controlled and yeah. I'm sure like unions playing such a huge part and right. CGI being another thing. Because I was thinking about this the other day about you're not going to have like so much on set, on location things unless it's like an auteur like Christopher Nolan who's like, I have to have it like this. You're not, and who, has, who's, who can just be given a giant budget to go do that. Yeah, because usually the giant budgets now, you're paying for the actors and you're paying for a lot of computer work. You're not, you're not right. doing a lot of practicalness. Right? You're the Mission Impossible movie or if you're like, you're, yeah, we said like a Nolan or somebody like that. Yeah, yeah. I love the practical effects in this, oh, in this yeah. movie. You know, like I love that they to get those predator effects that I read that they didn't use actual night vision that they kind of put a filter on the, on the camera and then change the coloring and post to make it look like night vision. And yeah. I don't know. I, I love older movies that were forced to be creative because they were constrained by their budget, you know, or constrained by technology. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think that produces creativity. I wish we'd see more of that today. You know, instead of just, hmm, we'll fall back on CGI. We'll, right. we'll, we'll just, you know, render this in the computer later. Like, I love the creativity behind, like, no, we need to figure out a way to, you know, smash this guy's head and make it look real or whatever, <laughs> right. you know. Right. <laughs> right. Like scanners or, or I guess in this movie too, where they blow up Max's head. Well, mm -hmm. they kind of blow up Max's head. It's, it's. Yeah, that's a weird scene in itself where later on you're like, oh, wait, wasn't his head just shot through? And it's like, oh, no, there's his head intact. So, anyway, that's, that's for a later minute. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm getting off track. My bad. No, no, it's, yeah. it's that's what we do here, off track, and we deep dive into, like, the off tracks. Like, let me look about the Xenopedia about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, what, one last note, I was, I was wanting a little bit to dive into this, just uh, as a language arts teacher, something we do a lot is, well, you're a math teacher, but I'm language arts and social studies. And one of the things you do as a language arts teacher is you try to have the students look deep into everything they read. And it drives students crazy. I love yeah. it so much. Like, a, what does a, it mean? As a math student, I hate you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Like, think with your head and your heart. You're like, no, just the head. <laughs> All right, so what, what analyst do you have for me, teacher? Okay, so I, I look at a team like this, and I think instantly, what are each of these characters symbolizing, or what does each character represent for the team? Okay. Uh, because you have, what, seven members, if we include um, the, the shady Dylan, 
and his machinations. Yeah. Um, but even he plays a role in this team and, and he represents something. And <laughs> uh, for someone it was easy for me to come up with, like, for instance, Hawkins, I feel like, um, represents the humor of the group. Sure. He's like the jester, right? Right. And and, and, and also and, he like God. dies first. Right. Doesn't he, because doesn't he, yeah. That, that, that's where I'm going with the symbolism too, is that once you lose this person, what do you lose from the group with Hawkins? Once he goes, you're not having any more jokes. There's no more humor. Nobody's right. Like saying, Oh yeah. Okay. So I'm on board with this. I like this analysis. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. See, I told you we're going somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right. So that we don't hear any more jokes after that. Right. Yeah, like there's, that's there's, the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to knock out the easy ones first with Blaine. I feel like there's there, he represents a certain security, a, a certain toughness of the group because he has this bravado. He has these just like, you can't take me kind of lines. And he also carries the biggest weapon that's ever been carried on film uh, up to that point in the M134 minigun. Yeah. And once, once he's, once he goes and his weapon is fully discharged by Mac in that same scene, I feel like there's a, there's a lot less security, a lot less toughness, a lot less brute force. Um, right. For he's the, the, so he's the second one to go. Do I have that right? He is the second one to go. Yeah. 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 So I, you're right. So. That's, oh, a good that's a good point. point. So you lose your humor, you lose your security blanket, or like the epitome of macho-ness is destroyed instantly. Right. Yeah. So the feeling of dread just starts to pour over you. Right. Like, oh, if they can take down like this big dude and like, right. and, and not even like like take but a spatter and take but a flesh wound as a result. On, <laughs> right. On it's this. like walking into the prison yard and like <laughs> punch, punching the biggest guy there, right? <laughs> you know, predators like, you know, oh, this is the big guy with the big gun. Fuck him. I'm going <laughs> to take him out. <laughs> well, no, it's more like walking in the prison yard and knocking down like the, the four biggest dudes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, there you go. Who, who happen to have a giant machine gun. <laughs> right. They've had enough. They had enough. We need that bodyguard for, for them, not you. Right. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a long stretch where nobody else is taken out, but then Mac goes next. And to me, Mac, this is, I didn't really stretch it here, but Mac to me represents mental sanity or mental fortitude. And, and Aaron was disagreeing with me a little bit, but like he's sitting there shaving on the helicopter and he's like obsessive about this to the point where later on he's making himself bleed because he's just like, so just, mm. he just doesn't know how to really cope when the stress really goes down. Um, or the, right. The, when the crap hits the fan. Yeah. And, you know, when, when he's totally blue screened, he's just, you know, reciting lyrics from the chopper song, right? He's singing long haul <laughs> right. Sally to himself right. and having some fun. And, and I, I think he's representing mental sanity. Although I don't know, that, that was a hard one for me because he's not really representing, I don't feel like for the group. Um, I, I would definitely argue at least he, he um, represents that for himself and for Dylan who goes right after him. Um, what do you think about Mac? What can he represent? Cause that's, well, I had a real that, stretch for him and a couple others. Yeah, no, that's interesting because he is kind of stoic. He's quiet. He doesn't react much in the helicopter. Mm-hmm. But then later on, isn't it isn't it Mac who kills the pig? Yes, Mac is kills that? the pig in the camp after Blaine dies. And so we're trying to protect he, the body. So he is also panicked, right? Panics, yeah. panics to the point that he blind, you know, in a in a fit of panic and rage, or or uh, just 
being scared beyond belief, you know, kills this wild boar or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And so I, in a sense, I think he represents like that quiet dread, right? Like, like you're scared to the point that you don't say anything. And then when the shit hits the fan, you overreact and you're the one that's panicking in the room instead of having a level head. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe, I don't know. English Ooh, teacher, like, like what the, do you think? How did I do with my Mac? Uh, he represents uh, panic. Yeah, panic. So what would be the opposite of panic? What, 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 I can't even think of that. Man, I should know this. Sarah, what's the opposite of panic? Well, it'd be it'd be calm, like steadfast calm, ah, right? okay. Yeah, yeah. so he, he, he could represent the calm of the group because once he loses it, right, it's, it's going to be a while before things calm down. Basically, not since... Because it goes from there to Dylan taken out to Billy taken out to Poncho right. taken out to get to the chopper to jump off the waterfall after the big slide to hiding in the mud and that's finally when it comes down. It's just like right. that's ooh, nice. I'm gonna put that on my paper for film studies 101. <laughs> Great, excellent. A minus. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Dylan, I feel like he goes next, and I feel like he was really easy. I, I feel like he's totally the skeptic. He's the outsider. He doesn't believe, you know, until he actually sees the predator. He, does, he has he has no belief that oh, anything outside of just two or three guys tops is doing this. Just people who are a little bit better than them at surviving and fighting in the jungle. Um, so he, he, he doesn't start believe, to believe until he actually sees the eyes after the predator springs the, the net trap. Um, right. And, um, and, and then he, he believes. He's in a position, too, where he doesn't want to admit that this much has gone wrong, right? Oh, he's, yeah. He's the one that led these guys out there, mm -hmm. and he knows also that he led them out there on kind of on false pretenses. Yeah. And uh, so he's holding on to every last straw that he can that things are going to be okay not only for the team that he's let out here but for his his own self yeah totally yeah and he he sent out the first team we don't even know when he sent jim hopper and the um or the green berets when he sent them out we don't we don't have any idea what he told them if they knew they're trying to rescue or if, if yeah if they're trying to infiltrate the gorilla camp or if they were under the pretense that they're trying to rescue a cabinet minister right, as well right before they befall their fate so yeah reluctance to believe or just being stubborn yeah that's a good word for it kind of stubborn kind of a uh, holding on to his beliefs in a, the most stubborn way possible yeah yeah, yeah. and when, when, once he's gone right it's just it's it's a, a quick sprint to um, the one-on-one, -on -one. you go from Dylan, then next is Billy. And to me, um, I tied some of this to the Predator, or the Xenopedia, the Predator novelization, that the details they went into. Um, I, I said Billy represents like a, a fear and an awareness and that he was a believer because... Immediately, yeah. Yeah, and, and his, right. in his backstory, it even ties the whole believer... Um, and the awareness more deeply, like I said, like having a connection with the predator and with the lore growing up. Um, right. Yeah. He 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 faces his fear right when it comes when it's his time. Um, stands his ground, but right he goes down just like uh, 
the rest of the the first four team members who go down. Yeah, he 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 knows it from the beginning, mm-hmm. right? It's almost like he accepts his fate. Like that line kind of stuck with me when he was like, you know, it's not human, and we're all gonna die. <laughs> yeah, and then he just turns and walks away, and right. it was like, oh. Okay. <laughs> he even he even says I'm scared, right? He, he says, says he's scared. That's right. Scared yeah. That's what he says. I'm I'm scared. Oh, crap. It's not you ain't human. Scared no man. Yeah, the same no man. man. Yeah, and we're, we're all gonna, gonna die. die. We're all gonna die. I love his love his southern drawl there. Yeah. I think he says it's tucky. so matter of fact, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. He just he knows it's he he accepts it before anyone else does. Right, he even has the stereotypical like charm or whatever that we never see until he's about to take on the predator with his machete out on the, on the log. Right, um, right. His, his little his last stand in the ground moment. Poncho, I would say, is a little bit. Is uh, another hard one for me. It's hard because he's like he he comes off as like someone who's just there for the job. I said he represented innocence. That was a real big stretch for me and curiosity. But at the same time, he he's you know communicating to the group. You know, sometimes when 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 things are happening, he's kind of being the what would you call it? almost like the audience surrogate until Arnold becomes that later on. But he he's saying right things like you know we hit nothing and right communicating that to us. So he's he's he's, he's like like you can't believe these things that are happening. I was like I don't know. He comes across almost almost like a newbie in some ways. Just like yeah, I don't I don't know how else to explain it. You know, and he yeah. like, when he's having an exchange with Billy. He's just like I can't believe it. Like you have to be tough. Like you know you're not afraid of anybody. Like oh no. Like it, it just comes off as just almost like this G Willikers kind of kind of performance at times. Just yeah <laughs> yeah. Just, I have to admit, I I have Poncho is one character I don't. He's he's a character that I sometimes forgets in the mo- I forgets in the movie. <laughs> yeah, and he yeah. has he has the worst way to go out too. It's just you know it's like takes a laser blast to the side of the head. And he just goes down. There's no like graphic. There's no. And he doesn't right. seem to have any sort of at least unless I'm forgetting he doesn't seem to have any like good iconic lines or or much interactions with the other characters. I like when we were prepping for for this podcast. Even I had to like remind myself which one is Poncho again. <laughs> like what? So you're on your own here a little bit in your analysis is what I'm yeah. saying because I I don't have much to say about Poncho. Yeah, or maybe he's just like representing I don't know like kind of like a follower of all people yeah. because okay. he's the one reacting to people kind of like if you're. Like if you ever been in a group and like there's the one like head person and the other person's like yeah yeah like that's that's so funny boss yeah like tell him yeah right. it's, it's funny yeah. it's like that's kind of what he's doing he's like having the reactions of like he's reacting to blame he's reacting to like what's not being hit when they're all mowing down the jungle later on in the firefight he's reacting to Billy he's right reacting with Arnold before he goes out mm. you know saying like I can make it I can make it like like don't forget me so like yeah. I said maybe maybe some innocence I don't know. <laughs> like, like like you're saying, he's not the deepest of these characters, and he doesn't maybe hold up to as strong analysis as the other ones. And then lastly, uh, Dutch is obviously the leader of the group, and um, I just pin them as representing the, the survival, um, yeah, the survival aspect, the survival survivor instinct. I don't know what we call it um, of the group, where he's right, he's he's not going down. He's he's the final girl of this film, right? He's right. he's not going to be taken out by the, the other he's also the leader right he right. he's constantly telling people what to do and where to go and and trying to bring calm to the situation whenever he can mm-hmm. um yeah i mean art arnold's he's just 
like I said earlier, he's just so spot on in this movie. <laughs> I want to, I just want to go hang out with him in the jungle. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he just seems so, yeah. So, so right into what he's doing and so taking this seriously. I, I love it. I love it so much. It's my favorite performance of him. And yeah. I, I think I've seen all of them. I, I was just watching, um, what was I watching the other day? I was watching a couple of movies. I was watching one called Aftermath, where he's like he's playing this. Ooh, architect. I've never seen that one. Yeah, it's it's based on a true story. So right away, I was just like, nah, I don't I don't know if I like this, and <laughs> it's not not my kind. It's it's recent, and he's playing um like this true. He's playing like a real person, or he's based on a a story of a real person who lost their family in like a plane accident, and then mm. like it's him coping with that loss. So it's very much serious, toned down, not jokey. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, it's just this is this is a hard one. It's like it's a real downer to watch, you know. It's it's, yeah. it's not like you're not watching for like the entertainment purpose, but you're watching for his act, acting chops, and I think they're they're really good in that one. Just how serious and you know how heavy the weight he's carrying with his family. But then I watched uh, Killing Gunter, and I thought he was <laughs> awesome in that. I totally recommend that one. That was really, a, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, he shows up in the last. 30 minutes and like spoiler alert like the movie plays kind of like predator in that regard almost like reverse style because he's like this well-known yet mysterious assassin hitman oh and that's, Killian. that's one of his later movies right like after governor yeah this was like movies. two yeah. or three years ago honestly. right yeah i have not oh. watched that one did you ever watch uh last man standing which was like kind of his comeback movie after uh, being governor oh, uh the last stand i think the last stand thank you yeah, yeah the last johnny stand. knoxville yeah yeah. I, I like that one. That was that was. I thought it I was pretty that. good. Yeah, yeah. I liked it. I thought I feel like it's a little underrated. Like the final action sequence is pretty great. Yeah, yeah. yeah and they have they have the big guns and they have a good big bad. Oh, he's the one who's grinding up uh, Steve Buscemi and um, what should we call it? Farty. Oh yeah, put your friend, yeah, when he's oh, your friend in the wood chipper the... there. <laughs> yeah, when he's putting him in the wood chipper. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. I, I hadn't time. seen it. Uh, I heard it on kind of a. I was listening to a different podcast that was talking about sort of like underrated action movies. Yes, I, I was listening to that one like last week too. F this movie. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> Adam Risky. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it was great. It was so good. And they recommended that one. I was like, oh, I haven't seen that one. So I'm looking at the cast list and I still don't know who this <laughs> who it is. Oh, Peter Stormare. That's who it is. Peter Stormare. You would know him if oh, you saw there, him. Okay, his little picture yeah. is super small. Okay, there he we go. He was Fargo. And oh, yeah, there he is. Yeah, he's in Fargo. Yeah, no, that one was fun. It was fun. It was, uh, you know, it's like what's it's it's a great. It's my. It's got all my favorite qualities of an action movie. It's a. It's a. It's a quick ninety minutes. You know. Yeah. It uh, it starts off with some action sequences. It's got a quick middle, and then it finishes with a bang. And and yeah. Arnold's Arnold's pretty great in it. Like he's he's at the point in his career where he knows who he is. Right. He knows yeah. that he's not like the same type of action star he was. Like he's not going to be running around breaking walls with his fists anymore, right? You know, but he, uh, you know, he can still like take a gun and and you know fire his way through a, a set piece in a great right. action sequence. So yeah, I thought it was I, pretty good. I, I recommend it. Yeah, if you watch Killing Gunter, like if if like honestly, I think I watched the first hour or so on mute as I was like listening to something else or doing something else but then as soon as he shows up I unmute it and it just it just yeah it's, it's really entertaining the character he's playing because he's playing like this this really pompous hitman who's like um, the whole premise is like Taron Killen is like trying to is he, he he's part of like this team he puts together and he's trying to take down 
Arnold's character Gainter, this this world famous hitman, for I forget what reason, like a reason not even important. But as they come like closer and closer, like Gunter keeps killing off like this team of assassins, and like mm. it's 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 very like predator like, except like they're going for their target from the beginning, and then finally you come face to face with <laughs> with right. Gunter. Right, Gu- Gunter's making his own documentary too he's like hey i heard about these guys trying to take me down so i'm gonna have my own show going and we're <laughs> like awesome. we're making our so they have like the documentary crews like looking at each other it's, look oh, it's guys so i have my own cameras yeah my own cameras i'm doing my own show um, <laughs> uh, it's and it just just his like ah oh, he, he's played such a good version of himself just totally nice. proud and loud and like cocky to the hilt oh it's it's so good i i, I recommend it all right i'm checking it out yeah, and it's on amazon prime so Oh, perfect. Okay, yeah. nice. All right, so do we have anything else, Mr. Zabriskie? Mr. Glover. Uh, oh, yeah, I guess well, in the, as far as the minute goes, I just wanted to briefly touch on, gosh, camera technique. That's something I want to talk much more about in this movie that I've never really paid much attention to. But when I was looking at last minute, or even just thinking about last minute, we if you remember at one point, Poncho throws in tape yeah. at Hawkins. Hawkins catches it. Yeah. McTiernan uses what's called a whip pan. Uh, you might know the term. It's where the camera moves just side to side, like from one, basically like one shot, or not one shot, but it's looking at something and it whips to something else really fast to right. the side. Right. Um, and I think it's a great use of, it, it, sh- it shows good motion. Um, it also, um, you can edit around it really easily. And yeah. I, I, I think it's a really good technique for showing, right? Like it's supposed to show reflexes. off his reflexes, right? Yeah. Cause they, yes. the motion makes it feel very fast. And then yeah. when it, when it stops, you see the tape in his hand. So it gives the impression the tape was moving very fast. Yeah. And we, we, we see this technique and the reason I'm bringing that up is because McTiernan is just, as I'm watching this movie and other movies, I'm saying just how good he is at bringing things back around it, like mentioning something in the beginning and then echoing it in a different way. So one of my favorite lines from the movie, and most people's, some of most people's favorite lines, is when Arnold hucks the, whatever, 20-pound machete into the guy right. um, behind him at the gorilla camp. And that's all whip pan right there, too. So that, that's why I bring that up, because it reminds me of one of my favorite scenes where he's, right. he, he, he thunks him and he says, stick around. Yeah, <laughs> stick around. Stick around. Um, so I kept on watching the the movie with the director's yeah. commentary on for a little while. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, and it was pretty interesting because he does talk a lot about camera techniques and how he was trying to be creative and you know shooting on location allowed him to do lots of interesting shots. Right. Because um, he wasn't you know confined to a. A, a set piece or a, a studio or whatnot, mm-hmm. but he said that also when they got to that the scene at the camp where all the the whole action scene happens and that all the explosions and whatnot, mm-hmm. he had a, a like a secondary crew come in who was doing a lot of the shooting that day. And so if you watch that scene, there's a a lot of the shots in that scene are static. Yeah, you right, meaning the camera the camera's just sitting there and capturing what's happening, or maybe just a very you know basic you know move or pan mm-hmm. and he was in the commentary he talked about being kind of upset about this how he wished 
that he could have done some more interesting shots or interesting camera work in that scene. But it's something to talk about later when you guys get to that actual scene. But yeah, I recommend listening to the commentary over that. I, I found that kind of interesting. Okay. Yeah, that was um, this guy who did all these stunts for A-Team, Craig Baxley. He, he did a lot of stunt work for these action TV shows like A-Team, Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. Dukes of Hazard um, and predator along with the second unit directing there's a few good things in the in the the village shootout that i like oh i love uh, that whole scene don't get me yeah, wrong yeah 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 and there, there's yeah but and there's certain standalone things but yeah there are certain like oh you're just firing people off springboards like that's so not <laughs> fitting into the rest of this movie like you i don't love see, that like, i love like, that thank, <laughs> yeah it's good for that for just showing like how a team this team really is like, right right <laughs> blown everybody away and just doing the, the generic like i'm gonna huck a grenade just, oh <laughs> and those guys fly like 12 feet in the air so great <laughs> In fact, he's, and there's one goof I'll talk about later, but there is like the same gorilla who you see in one scene. He's yes. low down and he pops right back up in the, in the very next, very next shot. It's like he can't kill this guy. He's wearing the same uh, this, thing with the red scarf. This guy's he's the like, predator. What are you, that's the movie. Who's this guy? That's the movie. Oh, yeah, we need a tangent movie where it's played from his perspective. He's just, there's some alternate cut of this movie where in every background in the background of every shot is that guy like peeking around a bush. <laughs> Still not dead. Still not dead. You blowed me up, you shot me, you stabbed me. I don't think it was a stick around guy, but it might as well have been. <laughs> oh, that's great. For reviewing purposes. Okay, so I think we'll end on a couple things. Uh, okay. first off. I just had a couple of questions left to ask you. We um, mentioned that uh, your favorite line was probably stick around, right? Uh, yeah, or sexual tyrannosaurus. Or sexual it's, tyrannosaurus, yeah. Yeah, it's just such nonsense. I don't even know what it means. It cracks me up every time. Just, just paints a picture. And you, don't have to, you don't have to Google it to paint <laughs> yeah, a picture. Don't, but yeah, you can. don't Google it, boys and girls. Yeah. <laughs> Not at school. <laughs> um, but did I ask about your favorite character? Do you have your favorite character? Um, man, is it a cop-out to say Arnold? Nope. Oh, man. Cause I, I, so I have sort of a double cop-out. Like, okay. So Arnold is kind of my favorite character, which is kind of a lame thing to say. But as I've been saying through this podcast, apparently I'm just in love with Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> in this movie. Um, he's my favorite. But also, the Predator might be one of my favorite characters. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, he's such a unique villain mm-hmm. when you when you think about... I mean, the Predator itself is is a, such a simple story, but it's kind of unique. Like it's an it's an action film. It's a it's a film about isolation, you know, survival, a uh, l- little bit of revenge, mm-hmm. um, and the the you know the alien, the Predator is. We had never seen anything like that before when this movie came out, mm-hmm. right? Like you know, we've had movies with aliens, we've had movies with monsters, whatever, but nothing quite like this particular alien character. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you kind of like the alien, he, the predator has a little bit of a personality, right? Yep. You know, like the predator is smart. Um, he's tough. He's, uh, he's driven. He has a goal in mind. He, he's also willing to sacrifice himself, right? He's willing to blow himself up, mm-hmm. uh, if needed. So yeah, I don't know. I've just always found the predator to be like one of the great cinematic villains. And so I, I love him as a character. Oh, totally. Yeah. He, cause I mean, he comes it, just from his technology and his dress alone. You can say you can 
tell, oh, he's coming from, like, a larger group of like beings, so he has some kind of, like, culture, some society he's coming from. Like, he, he might even, you know, he probably has a name. Like, we don't even, right. you know, never, never think about that. But, like, you know, he, he has a species, Yaucha, but, you know, if you read the lore, like, they don't have names. Right. Well, if this podcast uh, <laughs> continues on and you, and you decide to keep on going, uh, you have to have me back for Predator 2, because that's... Oh my! Oh boy, that's one of my. It's. I know it's not a great movie, but I love it so much. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> yeah, it, it it definitely goes the direction of like what RoboCop two went or Gremlins two, where it's right. like, yeah, we're gonna. We know it's a little bit silly. Like now that you now that the cat's out in the bag and you, you see the predator, there's no. You remove that mystery about yeah, the characters. Yeah, but, but no, I mean Danny Glover in those pleated pants. <laughs> Uh, oh, he, he is, he is such a BA mother effer in that movie too. Oh, it's, it's great. Oh, it's, I kills, love it. Kills a predator, man. Kills and a city hunter. Gary Busey, you know, Bill Paxton, and they're all just yelling. They all just yell at each other the whole <laughs> <Yelling>. movie. <laughs> they're just, they scream all their lines at each other. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, they hired the right people, you know, you have, oh. like you said, the, the, the Gary Busey and the, the yeah. Bill Paxton—they have oh. no problem just yelling and screaming. At I love Predator Two, and that same podcast we were talking about. If this movie recently did a Predator Two episode, yes, I could not have been more excited, and yeah, I was super excited. I was afraid that they might shit on the movie the whole time, nope. but they didn't, and I was I was so happy. Oh my god, it was oh, that was so good with uh, Risky doing the the Predator like whiny high pitched voice. <laughs> yes, <laughs> cars. <laughs> oh, uh, geez, that's a good one. I'll have to uh, that that one might get a relist, and I enjoyed that one. Do you have a least favorite scene? A least favorite scene is it? Is it silly to say the end credits? <laughs> it yeah, that one's a cop out. Sorry, it's <laughs> a cop out. <laughs> the end. <laughs> oh. Uh, gosh, I don't know if I, that's a, that's a really hard question. Um, I don't know if I have a least, a least favorite scene. I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank, Mr. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Wow. Yeah. Spe- no, it speaks to the quality of the movie. If you yeah. can't think of like, oh, I, re- I really would skip over this cause you can't. Like, I, I really, movie. I really can't think of something that I would like take out if I could. Uh, I know you mentioned a couple lines you thought were cheesy and I, I don't know. I, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I'm sorry. No, no problem. The only, yeah. the only line I think is cheesy uh, is where I, I think I mentioned this. Before. I started to set this up before, but um, Predator and Arnold are finally going out hand to hand. Arnold swings a log and Predator breaks it with his forearm or his gauntlet or something like that. And Arnold like looks at it and just has this like want one. He says bad idea and then Predator <laughs> just totally swipes him to the side and, and like between like I forgot about that yeah it's just it's, yeah. it's just it's almost <laughs> going like I don't know Muppet movie or something like that right like, just like right right oh ridiculous like come on Arnold like he just I don't know I feel like he was contractually well it's like in Predator that. it's like in Predator 2 when they they zoom in on the Predator's face and he does like the eh! <laughs> <laughs> and he's <laughs> You know, and it's like, it's like, oh, come on. <laughs> That's a little out of place. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for Predator 2, not so much, but I mean, I think I think this movie, once it's like established that sense of dread for those last 30 minutes, right. 
You don't yeah, need any, don't need that. like, no jokes. And seriously, like, from, like, Billy laughing at Hawkins joke, uh, I mean, like, the biggest laugh I think the people have is, like, the breath of relief when Matt kills the pig, and, like, they're all laughing at that. But yeah, yeah. It quickly turns, because they're like, oh my gosh, like, Predator stole the body, and right. um, it's, like, on to the next thing, setting up the next trap. Um, that's probably my least favorite line. I, I couldn't think if I have a least favorite scene other than, like, bits and pieces of, like, the the kind of campy gorilla attack scene where like there's a couple scenes where like Hawkins is spraying his MP5 and Dylan spraying his MP5 just kind of like is so cliche like action movie like Chuck Norris yeah, just yeah da, 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 like just fanning the whole area like blindly <laughs> right it is one of those things you have to suspend your belief a little bit right because they they clearly like just use up all their ammo <laughs> or yeah. just like or like a hundred times the ammo that would be necessary to do that yeah right. Yeah, I mean, I mean that—that's for the gorilla scene. I mean, if, if you're, yeah, if we're talking about the actual like mow the jungle, and like, then the yeah, it's like both on top of one another. Like, how are they carrying around all these bullets? Right. <laughs> you know, is there is there a donkey pulling a, a trailer behind them? Just, <laughs> that's, just yeah, boxes. That's, <laughs> just boxes. Yeah. Second last question: Do you have any helicopter experience? You ever been on a chopper? I have never been on a chopper. Okay, not I, even like in Hawaii on like one of those kind of like let's go over the crater. No, 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 I haven't. I've been, uh, uh, twice I've been in small, like Cessna airplanes. Mm -hmm. So I have a friend who is a pilot in the Air Force. And uh, when we went to college together before he went in the Air Force, but in college he was, uh, he had his pilot's license and he took me up in like a little two-seater Cessna. Uh, This was up in Bellingham, Washington, and took me up over the San Juan Islands. It was really awesome. And at one point he let go of the controls and let me control the plane for about... 20 seconds nice. uh, which was terrifying and, <laughs> and awesome and so now I can say I've flown a plane yeah um, you can yeah and then a second time I was in a small uh, like uh, seaplane that took me around Lake Chelan okay. uh, when I was up there vacationing uh uh, Eastern Washington there. Uh, but uh, no, I've never been in a helicopter, not even uh, flying over a crater in Hawaii. Okay. Um, yeah. Have you? Have you? Do you have Chapa experience? Chapa experience. Yeah, growing up in Tennessee, um, I remember we went on one of those like small helicopter rides. I think was, they probably took us over the Appalachians or something like that. Uh, I was too little to remember that. But on our honeymoon, yeah, Sarah and I took a Chapa tour over... I think it was Maui, where they fly over the island. You're looking down on the coast and seeing all the cool <laughs> geography. But While you guys were flying around, did you just pull out some <laughs> chewing tobacco <laughs> and just offer it, it to everybody? <laughs> and, make a goddamn then, sexual yeah, and then make some like homophobic me. slurs and, <laughs> and then just start shaving. <laughs> shaving, start putting on the eye black. Heck yeah, just... <laughs> Kick me off so fast. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, well, that's cool. I have not. I, I would like to be in a chapa someday. Yeah, no, it, was, it was. It was fun. It was. Yeah, it was. It was. You know, it, not as rough and tumble as anything we see here. And yeah, yeah. Really con- contained. And I do love the exterior smooth. shots of the of them flying the helicopter around the jungle. Those are pretty cool. Yeah, it. I think it. The, as low as they are, I think it gives a real good sense of like the seriousness of what the mission is. Um, yeah, flying that low for 
strategic purposes, you know, for low, you know, to keep visibility down for anybody trying to look for choppers. Um, I don't know if like flying below radar is a thing at that altitude. I, uh, thinking about it now, I should be like, oh, I should, I should like research, like, you know, what would like the radar capabilities of guerrilla forces be in that area, something like that. Right. Yeah, it gives a sense of like where they are, it gives a sense of like the the seriousness of their mission, even though they're all joking around. Um, I think the last question I had was any similar movies to this that you would recommend, like anything maybe you're inspired by to like when you're watching this, you're like, I can't wait to watch this next. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Okay. So this, you know, watching Predator just makes me think of like 80s action movies, right? Mm -hmm. Like it just puts me in that zone of when I was like 12 years old and going to the video store and renting these great like buddy action movies or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So like if I'm going to like double bill Predator with something, it's going to be I, probably my first choice. This might be super obvious, but it'd probably be RoboCop. Oh, I was just thinking RoboCop. Oh, dude. Oh, I, my God. Maybe maybe you shouldn't do Predator 2 and we should just do RoboCop after oh, this movie because be I absolutely love RoboCop. Predator and RoboCop and a couple others are probably my favorite. I was going to say 80s action movies, but just maybe just action movies in general yeah um so robocop uh tango and cash is uh, yeah, a great one cash. for me yeah that's a little more light a little a little sillier but i love it i'm gonna go like a couple john carpenters they live is great we mentioned that earlier uh big yeah. trouble in little china i feel yeah. like has a great uh 80s tone that's kind of fits right in there with the predator yeah yeah so that's what i got right off the top of my head those would be my double those are probably kind of obvious uh pairings but but that's what comes to mind no i love that yeah i like how you're going with like you know something something lighter like robocop <laughs> yeah yeah you got you know predator does get you know it it's you might you might watch it you know this many years later and maybe feel like it's it's going to be a little campy but i don't i don't think predator is like i think it's it no. holds up as just a pretty good solid action movie and so yeah to try to pair that with something a little lighter like robocop has its has its serious moments and it has its uber violent moments like almost over the top yeah. violent moments but it's also riddled with that paul verhoven satire that's yeah just fantastic i love that you know he did the same thing in super in uh, starship troopers mm-hmm. um, another one of my favorite favorite action movies so yeah i think that would make a good pairing no yeah because yeah this total this movie will give you the total downer ending where you're, you're thinking like <laughs> well i just watched the horror movie kind of like the terminator it's like oh i just watched the horror movie like right. just like had this this other monster coming after you know yeah. the, the final survivor like it's it's quite the what they call the the pyrrhic victory where you lose like all your forces and defeating the one foe right like, I, I need something where like the good guys live at the end like give me some tango and cash like this, like, give <laughs> me, just, yeah. yeah i need some i need some tango and cash in that yeah. in that steamy prison to pull me pull me out of this so yeah. steamy. Why is it so steamy down there? So steamy. <laughs> and that Jack Palance. Oh, right? Jack he Palance, the just every line is like, <laughs> everything he says is, <laughs> it's chew on this uh, little longer. Just enunciates every word. <laughs> oh, tango and cash. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i love it so much i'm gonna go watch tango and cash after this i'll see you guys later <laughs> no i'd reckon yeah and i totally recommend like i said hunt for it october um, yeah you know goes, that is one i have not seen in a long time i know it's a great one i just have not watched it in forever it's a, it's a great one because like right the actions there the, the cool characters are there like sean connery and 
Scott Glenn, like you, you, you probably forgot about Scott Glenn, but he's just awesome as the captain of the U.S. sub. I did um, forget just, about Scott Glenn. Just the way he like comment. He basically commandeers Red October while Sean, Con- you know, when Sean Connery is is wounded by the traitorous cook yeah. who Alec Baldwin has to go after. But like he he takes charge and like things are amped up as of, like they're dodging a torpedo as. Alec Baldwin is chasing down the the cook in like the nuclear silo room, right? Um, in in the submarine, so I'd, I would totally recommend that too. Um, it has that benefit of like that tense action, but also that really good Tom Clancy technical right. um, jargon flying at you all the time with like yelling out sub commands, and you're going like, "Whoa, like what? Like you know exactly what to do with that set of commands and numbers, and like that's going to produce like this awesome result." And, right, like, right, right. <laughs> they're even like walking Jack Ryan through it as like the audience surrogate for like what's happening all the time. This yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. well oh, done. Man. Okay, I got to put that on my list. That'll be a watch. I recommend that. Um, do you want to talk about where people could find you online? I mean, I don't. Oh. Uh... Well, you can follow me. <laughs> what am I on Twitter? You can follow me at Carl Hungus314. <laughs> that's the true story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's about it. That's my. <laughs> that is a reference, a Big Lebowski reference. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, uh, I can't remember Carl if I'm Hungus. Uh, Carl Hungus three one four or Carl Hungus underscore. Oh, I'm I just looked myself up. I'm at Carl Hung, Carl underscore Hungus three one four. My okay. name is Jeff Glover. You can follow me for very few Twitter updates, as I very rarely use Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, we can find you on the Predator Minute for sure, too. Yeah, yeah. Hey, there, uh, there you go. Other than that, I'll, I'm just uh, hanging out in my garage, pod, <laughs> podcasting with a glass of red. <laughs> glass of red. Glass of red. If you out there, audience, has any deep analysis about the characters in Predator, or you have some idea about what a sexual Tyrannosaurus could be, mm. uh, <laughs> feel free to email us at Predator Minute at gmail.com. You can also find us uh, on Facebook and Twitter at Predator Minute. We're on all sorts of podcatcher services, iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, and then, of course, like all the other little ones that feed off of those feeds. And Maybe you'll luck out and find us on there, too. Uh, we are hosted on SoundCloud at Predator underscore Minute Podcast. Wait, Predator, sorry, www.soundcloud.com. <laughs> backslash predator underscore minute underscore podcast go there carl um, underscore <laughs> hungus 314 at carl underscore hungus 314 good buddy okay okay and I, I think we're gonna leave it there for predator minute this has been john and i'm jeff glover and until next time Stick around! <laughs> <laughs>